Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. We are continuing our series of enlarging our capacity of reception. Enlarging our capacity of reception. And it's part six. Today, we are doing the path to the knowledge of God, part three. So would you please put up our foundational scriptures, Shivan, from Isaiah chapter 54, and we're going to read verses one through three in the Amplified Translation. Isaiah 54, you should know this verse is off by heart by now. We've been quoting and reading and meditating on these portion of Scripture for six weeks. Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 3, Sing, O barren one, you who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who did not travail with child. For the spiritual children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitation, habitations be stretched out. Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right hand and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. God's view of the gospel of the kingdom is to embrace all nations. God's heart is with the nations. That is why he said to the disciples, Go ye into all the world and disciple all nations. And any time we place our focus and our attention on the nations as disciples of Christ, as a ministry, as a church, then we will find that the power of God begins to work in us and through us in a mighty way. The gospel of the kingdom is not just about me and mine, but it is about the entire world, the nations of the world. There was a time when I didn't know what I know today, where my heart would only receive people from my own culture and from my own nation, and I would exclude everybody else. Not because I wanted to, but it was a major stronghold in my own upbringing and in my own life. Because all of our lives, we were raised in the Greek community. We were brought up as such in the Greek Orthodox Church. And later on, as I grew up and I got married, we only fellowshiped and befriended people of the same culture and of the same language. And in due time, that became a major stronghold in my own life. And God had to deal with me, not once, but many, many times. And through prayer and fasting, through many months and years, God began to enlarge my perception 
of the nations and my perception of the universal church. And so my heart began to be enlarged and embrace all other nations. And that is why you're here today. If my heart had not changed, you would not be here. There would only be Greek people here. <laughs> I recall someone from the Afrikaans-speaking community, he said, Alpha and Omega cannot survive on Greeks alone. <laughs> and many times, I have found myself with people whom I, I was not wanted. And I was found in the midst of the people who did not ask for me. As Isaiah says, all day I stretched out my hands to a rebellious people. Well, thank God he did what he did. Otherwise, Michael wouldn't be sitting there today marrying my daughter. Because he's of a different culture and his color is different from mine. But God did a wonderful thing and I want to give him praise today. And God's heart is with the nations. And he's speaking here to the church. And he's saying to the church, to you and I, enlarge the place of your tent. But we cannot enlarge the place of our tent unless and until we enlarge our hearts. And we embrace all manner of people from every culture, from every color, from every nation. That is why we have, look at all those flags. Our heart, our mission is to disciple nations. Amen? And I'm so glad you're here today to help us do it together with you. He said, you will stretch, you will spread abroad, and your offspring, that is your spiritual descendants, will possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. One of my favorite verses is found in Psalm chapter 2, where God says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. God is a great God. And when we ask, we need to ask big Amen? Because he's a big and generous God. Personally, the words in Isaiah 54 and the subsequent teaching on this subject has been such a tremendous encouragement to me as they have lifted my faith and elevated my expectations from the Lord. I don't know how many of you feel that way. Has this series of teaching been a blessing to you. If it's been, don't just raise your hands for the sake of raising it. But I've heard many testimonies how this particular message has blessed many, many people. Not, not, not just those who are here, but those who listen to this message on SoundCloud. I have been tremendously encouraged and blessed by the words of Isaiah. Now, the overall theme for those who perhaps are joining us today in this entire series of studies has been first God's willingness and desire to bless us beyond measure. God is always ready and He's always willing to bless and to give because He is love. 
And love's expression is giving, not withholding, but giving and giving generously. So the overall theme of the series is that discovering God's heart and God's willingness and desire to bless us beyond what we are able to think or imagine. And second, it has been how to enlarge our capacity of reception so that we are able to receive from God the fullness of His blessing. Amen? We can only receive what we make room for. God cannot give us what we have no room to receive. Amen? So when you have people who are full of themselves, God cannot impart Himself to them. That is why the necessity of the cross. Because when you and I go to the cross, we literally empty ourselves of ourselves. We empty ourselves of our own opinions or our own desires, our own will, in order to make room to receive God's will and God's desires and God's plans, and God's dreams for our lives. Amen? That is why anyone who refuses to go to the cross, or pass through the cross, or take up his cross, he's not a candidate for the blessing of the Lord. Amen? Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, the first thing that he needs to do is to take up his cross and follow me. In other words, we need to deal with the reality of our sinful nature. Amen? The reality of our sinful nature. That's when true and genuine repentance comes into our lives by the grace of God. I recall when I was, when I was encountered by the presence of the Lord, the first thing that I became aware of was my own sinfulness and utter deprivation. And unless you begin to see yourself, I'm not talking about in Christ, but outside of Christ, we are totally lost. The Bible says all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. We, we point so often to people, oh, he's a good man, she's a good, she's a good person. Yes, yeah, she might be good to you. But deep down at the core of every human being, there is a rottenness. There is a depravity. We were born with it and inherited that from our forefather. Amen? And when we come to the realization of our utter lostness and deprivation and sinfulness, then we acknowledge our need for the Savior. And then genuine repentance. I'm convinced today there are many in the house of God who truly believe they have experienced the grace of God and the new birth, and they have not, because they have not genuinely repented. Amen? Before we can actually express or release any genuine faith, there has to come a genuine repentance. Amen? Now, we empty ourselves so that we can receive. We make room for God in our lives. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, sums it all up. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. As I said, God's grace is always willing and able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, but it is according to the power that is at work within us. The word saved in the Greek means not just going to heaven, salvation of the Spirit. It also means healing. It also means deliverance. It also means divine protection and divine provision. It means all of those words. So you can include in the word saved all of those blessings that God gives us. It is the grace of God that is willing to impart all of these blessings to us through faith. Faith is the mechanism by which we receive from God. Without faith, the Bible says, no one can please God. Amen? Now, the power that is within us is called what? What is that power that is at work within us? It is the power of faith. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. What is that power? F-A-I-T-H. That power is called faith. Amen? You need to understand that. On the basis of the Word of God, we have learned that God's blessing or the measure of the blessing you receive, is governed and regulated through your measure of faith. Faith is governed. Faith has principles and laws by which it governs the principle of faith. Are you understanding that? So faith is governed by... Sorry, not faith, but the, the receiving. On the basis of the Word of God, we've learned that God's blessing is governed and released in our life through faith. Am I right? That's what we've been teaching all these weeks. Now, the measure of the faith or, or of the blessing we receive is determined, not by God. God does not determine what you receive from Him. We determine that. God's measure of blessing we receive is determined by the measure of faith we exercise. Or, in other words, you could say it this way. The power of God is responsive to the degree of our faith in His promises. Jesus said that. He said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. So it is according to something. It is according to your faith. Some people see others who got blessed. I remember when God gave us this, this beautiful building debt-free, one of my friend pastors was a bit upset with God, and he was a bit jealous too. He later confessed to me, and I said to God, why did you do that for Andrea? Why, why can't you do that for me? When he talked to me about it, I explained to him why God did it and how he did it. So he started believing God for himself. And the next thing that happened, property adjacent to what he owned a house, there was someone who owned a large piece of property and gave him a large portion for free when he started exercising his faith. Amen? 
God will bypass many, many people and come to the one who believes. God honors faith. Amen? So, we've learned that according to the words of Jesus, that it is according to our faith. Jesus said it so often. He said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. We have also learned that faith is also governed and regulated by what? By revelation knowledge. Faith cannot function without knowledge. So faith is regulated and governed by revelation knowledge. The foundation of our faith is based on the knowledge of God and His Word. Without knowledge, we have no faith. Now, the whole purpose of this series of teaching is to do one thing, is to enable our faith and expectation from God to rise to new heights, to new levels, to take us from where we are to where God wants us to be. You know, many people are praying for things from God, and they're looking for those things on a particular level where they are but they're not there. They are on the next level. So before they receive what they are asking for, they have to climb onto the next level. It's like me going to a supermarket and I'm looking for a particular product and I'm looking on the second shelf and I can spend an entire day looking for that particular product on the second shelf and not find it. You know why? Because that which I'm looking for is on the fourth shelf. In order to put it very simple to you. We live life in levels. God takes us from one level of faith to another level of faith to another level of faith. The Bible says we move from one level of glory to another level of glory to another level of glory. When I was three years old in the Lord, I could only understand and see certain things. But when I grew 10, 15 years down the road, I began to see much more than what I was seeing when I was three years old. The same with natural age. Are you with me? So there are things that we are praying for and desire, but they're not on the present level where you are. You're going to have to climb onto another level in order to be able to experience them in your own personal life. Do you understand that? Okay, let's move on. So that is the whole purpose of this teaching. It is to encourage our faith to climb on another level. Just as the level of waters rise, and we've seen that on TV many times, and as the level of waters rise, they begin to sweep away every obstacle they find on their path. Have you seen that? Tsunamis and floods... Nothing can stand in front of a tsunami or a flood. It just sweeps everything away. Motor cars, houses, whatever they find, they just sweep it. The same happens to your faith and to mine. When the level of our faith rises to greater heights, they begin to shift things in your life. Faith will shift circumstances. Faith will give you breakthroughs. 
your faith, as it rises to another level, it will begin to sweep every obstacle in your way. It will begin to shift every mountain and break every diabolical yoke that perhaps has enslaved you for many years. Sometimes we sit under a a certain yoke or a habit or an addiction and we cannot seem to break loose or break free from it. Have you ever had that experience? I know I've had that, especially when I was young in the Lord. I, I was born again, thoroughly saved, but I continued to smoke. Now, I know people who smoke doesn't mean that they're not going to go to heaven. But man, you're destroying your body. And I felt very condemned and guilty. So I tried to get rid of it. And the more I tried, the more hooked I was. I don't know if you had that experience. It's one of the most difficult addictions to break. But through prayer and consistent seeking the face of God, as well as fasting, my level of faith climbed to another level. And I was able to take that cigarette, throw it away, and never touch it again. It's been over 30 years. So when your level of faith rises, it begins to sweep away every obstacle, shift every circumstance that is contradictory, every mountain, and break every diabolical yoke over your life. And that is what we are after, to rise the level of our faith. I launched this series of teaching. If you remember, when God spoke to me when I went away to wait on the Lord, and I saw that the waters of this ministry, the waters of this fellowship, were rising and spilling into dry and drought places. Very significant for the time that we're going through in the city of Cape Town. You want a verse to stand on and believe God? The Bible says he'll make your, your bones fat during the drought and dry places. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Amen? Amen. Let's believe God, folks. Faith will break the drought. Amen. Amen. Faith will break the drought. Amen. Praise God. And that's what we are after. Our faith in God must rise to new heights, new levels, if we are to see the manifestation of God's promises in our lives. Remember, we spoke about ownership by promise and ownership by possession. And if that is going to change from ownership by promise to ownership by possession, the, the, the level of the faith must rise. Not just your individual, but the corporate faith of this spiritual family, both here and abroad. Now, if that is the case, what must happen first? Anyone knows? How is our level of faith going to rise? By trying? Huh? Yes, if our level of faith is going to rise to another level, then our level of knowledge, the knowledge of God and His Word, must rise and increase because faith is governed and regulated by the measure of knowledge we possess. 
Now, what really matters is not what you know, but who you know. Not just any knowledge. I'm talking about the knowledge of the one who called us into his kingdom. Peter says, grace and peace is multiplied to us in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Savior. So if you want grace to be multiplied or peace to be multiplied, what must happen first? Knowledge. Through the knowledge of Him who called us. He also says that His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Oh, this is a very powerful promise from God. The Bible says that His divine power has given. Given what? All things that you and I will ever need to live a life that is pleasing to God. But it is given and received through the knowledge of Him who called us. So do you see how... Listen, the greatest treasures on this earth are not material things. They're not tangible things. They're not things you can touch and smell and feel. The greatest treasures are spiritual things. Things you cannot feel or smell or touch or see with your physical eyes. They are spiritual things. The Bible says that wisdom is far more precious than rubies than gold and silver. Amen? So in the last two weeks, we've been studying the path to the knowledge of God from Proverbs chapter 2. Let's read these instructions once again. How do you get to this kind of knowledge that we're speaking about? How do you attain it? Where do you go to find it? Well, Proverbs 2 tells us exactly where to find this knowledge and what it will cost us to attain this knowledge. Let's read these verses again from the Amplified Translation. My son or my daughter, if you will receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to skillful and godly wisdom, and inclining and directing your heart and mind to understanding, applying all your powers to the quest for it, yes, if you will cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek wisdom as for silver and search for skillful and godly wisdom as for hidden treasures, notice the next verse. Then, then only, if you will do these things that he has just mentioned, if you will follow these instructions of mine, then you will understand the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord and find what? And find the knowledge of our omniscient God. For the Lord gives skillful and godly wisdom and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. In other words, for those who are willing to follow these directives, they will come into the storehouses of God's wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. These are the most precious commodities on the planet. 
There is nothing more precious, nothing more valuable than wisdom from God, understanding from God, and knowledge from God. In fact, the greatest battles in the realm of the Spirit are fought over these three things. The Bible says that the God of this world blinds the minds of those who do not believe. He is doing everything He can to keep you ignorant. Everything He can to darken your understanding so that you do not understand the gospel of the kingdom. Are you with me? That is where the greatest battles are fought. And my greatest task, or my primary task, is to what? Feed you with knowledge and understanding. Because if I can impart that to you through the teaching of the Word, you will be able to succeed and prosper in every sphere of your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances, in your children. That is what humanity needs most of all. Now, so far, we have covered the first two instructions where the Word says, receive and treasure His Word. And we've explained that there is a difference between receiving and agreeing with the Word and treasuring it. To treasure the Word means that you put it into practice in your life. Not just agree with it, but do what it says. And then we've also covered pay attention to what He says by directing our heart and mind towards understanding. We've discussed that paying attention to the Word of God and renewing our minds with His way of thinking is vitally important to obtaining the knowledge of God. Are you with me so far? Now, today, we're going to look at the last two instructions as we close the series of teaching. The first one says, cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. For me, when I study these instructions, what this clearly speaks of is prayer. You cry out to God for understanding. Amen? You raise your voice to God. For what? To give you wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Crying out to God for insight means that you are passionate about what you're asking. This is not just uttering prayers. This comes from the heart. A heart that hungers and thirsts for the wisdom and the knowledge of God. So there is a desperate cry that rises from within your very being because you're passionate about what you're asking God for. Are you with me? You want it so bad. And because of it, you lift up your voice. And you cry out for understanding. Now, if you study the Apostle Paul's prayers in the New Testament, you will clearly see in every prayer of his, his passion and his desire for God's people to obtain wisdom and revelation knowledge from God. In every prayer of his, almost. Let's look at some of them. Over and over again, he asks on the behalf of the church, Revelation knowledge. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 15 through to 17. Notice he doesn't pray for anything else because he knows once the believer 
receives wisdom and revelation from God, everything else in his life will fall into place. His relationships will be in order. His relationship with God will be in order. His finances will be in order. His children will grow up and be obedient to the Word of God. They will follow and serve the Lord if he has that wisdom and that knowledge. And that's why he doesn't ask for anything else. He just goes directly for the principal things in life for the most valuable things. That's why when you're praying for people, don't pray for too many things. Just ask God to open the eyes of understanding and give them a measure of His wisdom and revelation, knowledge after Him, and when they receive that, they will begin to steer their lives in the way that is pleasing to God. You pray that for your children, pray that for your spouse, pray that for your friends, pray that for the church, and most of all, pray that for your pastors and leaders. All my years, I have never desired anything more than the wisdom of God and the knowledge that comes from Him. So often when people ask me, Pastor, what can I pray for you? And I'm telling you right now, so don't ask me. Pray for wisdom from God. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge. Because if I have that and walk in that every day of my life, I will be able to successfully fulfill all of my assignments. So he prays. Listen to how he prays. Ephesians 1, 15 through to 17. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Again, Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. There you see all three things that are valuable and precious. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Wisdom establishes. Amen? And primarily this wisdom is carried or they, uh, the, the, the apostolic office is endured with wisdom because they called to pioneer and establish the works of God. Now, we can do the same for ourselves, as I said, and our loved ones. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, knock and the door will be opened to you. So prayer is one of the primary ways we receive the knowledge of God. Am I right? Prayer. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, what must he do? Don't ever say, I don't know what to do here. I'm so confused. Don't ever utter those words. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, go to God and ask him. He'll give you. Amen? If anyone, that when God says any, means any. Even an unbeliever can receive the wisdom of God if he asks for it. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally or generously and without reproach, meaning without finding fault in you, and it will be given to him. 
So we need to petition God in prayer to open the door of His knowledge to us. We need to cry out for insight into the mind of God so that our minds can be flooded with knowledge and understanding. Amen? Solomon, who was considered the wisest man on earth before Jesus showed up, one night God came to him in a dream. If you're a Bible scholar, you will know what I'm talking about. And God asked Solomon what he wanted from him. What did he want most of all? You know what his answer was? It's recorded in the book of Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Let's read it together. Solomon prays and he says, Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge these great people of yours? And the speech pleased the Lord and Solomon that Solomon had asked this one thing. God was so pleased with his prayer request that he said to him, because you've asked for wisdom and knowledge and understanding to govern my people, you have not been selfish in asking for wealth and riches and the life of your enemies. I'm going to give you everything that you did not ask for. Isn't it so sad that in his young years, Solomon sought wisdom, but in his later years, I don't know, maybe he went through a middle-aged crisis, he was seeking women and he was after the young ladies. And he messed up. Listen, it's not how we begin the race, it's how we finish it. Many have began the right way, but they have not finished strong. Let's move on. So, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, Solomon himself wrote the following. Listen to what he wrote. This is one of my favorite verses. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. Through wisdom a house is built. How many of us are building something in life? All of us are in the process of building. We're building a family. Amen? We're raising up children. We're educating children. We're building our financial uh, situation to a place where we are comfortable. Every single one of us is busy building something. Amen? Make sure that you build on the right foundation. He says, if you want to build something that will last, it is wisdom that a house is built. And by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Those are the three things again. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Amen. Praise God. Are you still with me? The last instruction in Proverbs 2 says, Seek wisdom as for silver and search for skillful and godly wisdom as for hidden treasures. Now, all of us know that precious metals are not found on the surface of the earth, are they? <laughs> you don't go outside where the, the gold fields are and you just scratch a little bit to find gold, do you? 
One has to dig deep and go into an extensive and laborious search in order to find those precious things that the world considers so precious. The gold, the silver, the diamonds, the precious jewels. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 3.13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Now I have a question. If wisdom and knowledge are more precious than silver and gold, how should we go about obtaining them? <laughs> Diligently. <laughs> At least to say. If an average person like you and I works, how many? Eight hours a day? 45 hours a week? Searching for that paycheck in order to sustain you and your family financially. What should our approach be in acquiring the knowledge of God? This is something to consider, isn't it? You see, what we value the most, our hearts will wrap around it. All of us almost are working. Some of us are semi-retired, some of us are retired, but most of us are working, and working hard. What are you working for? You, you show up every single day on time. Amen? Amen? If you don't show up on time, you can do it maybe once, twice. The third time, or the fourth time, you show, you show in the door. You're diligent. Whether you feel like it or not, you're going to have to get up and go to work. You can't say, well, I don't feel like studying today, and I don't feel like reading the Bible, and I don't feel like going to church so I can stay home. How come you don't do that at work? Yet how many of us do that when it comes to church, when it comes to diligent study of the Word of God, when it comes to reading and meditating and prayer, how many of us do that? Why? Because God is not going to come on you with a stick and beat you or fire you. Let's move on. Now, seeking and searching for knowledge involves diligence and time spent in studying the Word as we apply our minds to the acquisition of knowledge. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, please, what it says. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Paul writing to one of his spiritual sons, to Timothy, he says to him, study. Everybody say study. study. Say it again. Study. study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study is work, is it not? Some of you who are maybe going to university or, you know, matric, you study, don't you? 
or else you're wasting your time. So we need to study to show ourselves to God that we are approved, that we can take the Word of God and rightly explain it or divide it. Some people just take a scripture out of, out of, out of context and begin to beat, beat up people with it because they don't understand the whole Bible, because they haven't studied the scriptures. Amen? Now, back in the Old Covenant, God told Joshua that if he wanted to succeed in his assignments and make his way prosperous, he was only to do one thing. You know what that thing was? Let's find out. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. He said to him, find out what the book says by meditating in it day and night and then do what it says. Find out what the book says by meditating and studying the book and then do what it says and then you will succeed and prosper in every sphere of life. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it once a while, once a week, once every fortnight, maybe read it for a few minutes before you go to bed. Is that what it says? It's so sad today that we don't carry Bibles like we used to. <laughs> we have digital things now. This book of the law, what is he saying? He says, this, this Bible. Now, he didn't have the New Testament. He only had half of this book. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine what you can do with the whole book. He only had half a book. Shall not depart from your mouth. What does that mean? That means you are to constantly speak in agreement with what God says. And you shall meditate in it. How often? Day and night. That you may observe. To observe means to see, to notice, or perceive. That's, that's how revelation knowledge comes. How? By meditating. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So revelation knowledge, according to the Word, is obtained when we spend time in the Word and meditating in it. Now the Holy Spirit, of course, who is our helper, helps us. Helps us to bring truth and light to the Word we're studying and meditating. Doesn't he? Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. Not just some of it, all of it. I don't know, but in my experience, little emphasis is given today in the majority of churches concerning the diligent and the systematic study of the Bible. And no matter how good your preacher is, on a Sunday he cannot possibly give you all that you need to succeed in your Christian walk. Yeah. It's impossible. You need to do your own study of the Bible. You need to spend time meditating in the Word. The more you study the Word, the more you will know. The more you dig in the Word, the more you will find. 
I cannot make it any more clearer than this. Jesus said in Mark's Gospel 4.24, Be careful what you're hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you, and more besides will be given to you who hear. That is a powerful, meaningful verse of Scripture. The measure of thought and study you give any truth you hear, whatever the truth is, will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that will come back to you. And we need to study all truths. The truth concerning the Holy Spirit, the truth concerning the gifts of the Spirit, the truth concerning divine health and healing, the truth concerning longevity of life, the truth concerning divine protection, the truth concerning divine prosperity. If you're struggling financially, don't study health. Go study what the Word says about finances. If you're suffering from your health, don't study finances because you're struggling not in your finances, you're struggling where? In health. Find out what the Bible has to say about that. Simple, isn't it? So we come to the conclusion of our series. And I want to say one final word based on the Word of Jesus, Matthew 6.21. He said in Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, what you treasure and value in your life, your entire being will completely wrap itself around those values. And you will pursue them with all your heart. So if you and I truly value the wisdom of God, the understanding of the Almighty, and the knowledge that comes from God, our entire pursuit will be with passion and diligence to find those graces. Wouldn't you say that? Amen. Amen. Hence we can answer the three most important questions in our life. You remember what they are? Number one, what do I want in life? <clears throat> Number two, why do I want it? Amen? And how bad do I want that? So, what do I want in life? What am I seeking? Number one, I'm seeking the wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge that comes from God. Why do I want wisdom? Why do I want understanding and knowledge? So that my heavenly Father can be glorified on earth through my life as I succeed my heavenly assignments. And finally, how much do I want this? Well, with my whole heart. Most of us are struggling with the want. I told you last week, I have a problem with my want sometimes. Sometimes my want is not that big. I want it, but how bad do I want it? And how much am I willing, or what am I willing to give up? Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Let's stand.
If we desire to enlarge our capacity of reception, there are three things that we need to focus on because those things affect our faith, what we believe, and how we believe. The wisdom of God, the understanding that comes from God, and revelation knowledge of Him who called us into His kingdom. Once we grow in knowledge and wisdom and understanding, the next thing that happens, our level of faith begins to rise. And as our level of faith rises, we begin to little by little, step by step, walk into those promises and make them ours by possession. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And we give you praise for your word today. Lord, we acknowledge that we have undervalued your word. We have not given it the proper recognition, the honor, the reception, and the treasure that it deserves. And for that, we humbly ask for your forgiveness today. We have placed value on things that are not really valuable in the light of eternity. We have made our priority perhaps other things that are not as valuable, that are not as important in our daily lives. For that, we ask your forgiveness, and we pray today that you would change our way of thinking. Because when you change the way we think, our pursuits and our passion will change, and we'll begin to pursue those things that are really valuable in your sight. And so we pray today that you would grant us your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Father. That you would fill us with that knowledge of your will in all the wisdom and spiritual understanding for one reason only, that we may walk worthy of the call and the assignments you have placed on our lives. Fully pleasing you, Father and being fruitful in every good work. We receive this today in the name of Jesus and pray that you will give us the desire and the grace to change the way we have been going so far, that we may place true value and passion on the things that are most important to you, Lord. Bring us mentors and teachers and fathers and people who will encourage and inspire us to reach for greater heights in understanding your ways and believing your promises. We thank you for this. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.